0: rocker on transparency talks
1: podcast Making perfect spice choices for healthy food is important to manage chronic diseases We have focused on a specific line of spices that can really fit your diabetic lifestyle. Our spice flavors are a game changer. We have created unique blends of all-purpose seasonings that are salt-free, gluten-free, with no additives and preservatives, great for chronic conditions like high blood pressure, obesity, and heart disease. These spices contain antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal properties, and improve digestive function and metabolism. Choose diabetic cuisine spices for your family to feel more safe, confident, and support healthy aging.
0: Welcome to another episode of Transparency Talks podcast. I am your girl, Butterby Rocka. It is a beautiful day. We are all still here. So that's always amazing. But I have an amazing show for you guys today. We have with us Tasia Smith. She is a social media director and specialist and the founder and CEO of Get Social with Tasia. How you doing, Tasia? I'm
1: doing great. Excited to chat with you. Thanks for having me.
0: I am so pleased to have you on a part of the show. So here at Transparency, I like to just dive right on in. Can you give everybody a little bit of background about yourself?
1: Yes, absolutely. So my name's Tasia Smith. Um, I recently got married, so I'm doing a little change of identity. I'm going through identity crisis, what I've been telling people. Uh, So formerly Tasia Foster. I have been in social media uh, for about eight years now. I have my own agency called Get Social with Tasia, which is a political advocacy and social justice awareness agency made up of women of color only. Um, We're based in Los Angeles, but we are across um, America in general. Like to be, you know, everywhere we can be. And I'm originally from Oakland. I've been living in L.A. for about 13 years now. So
0: kind of back and forth, you could say. Okay. So what made you want to get into social media? You
1: know, I went to college um, at cal state northridge here in la and i always even from high school i was like head of the marketing club marketing this i studied to be a publicist and i got out of college i got a publicist job and i absolutely hated it i was like wow this is not (laughs) what i thought it was gonna be (laughs) um but what i did notice while i was working there that a lot of the requests and things people were asking were really social media needs that they that they were inquiring about and so I saw that before Instagram got monopolized, how it is today, um, mm-hmm. and really saw the forwardness that social media was going towards and kind of hopped on it before it became really a big deal to other people. So I was, you know, flipping some small black and brown businesses, flipping their websites, giving them some better social media posts. And then I landed my first gig doing schools, not prisons, which was a 12 citywide, uh, statewide tour that went into prisons and under de- under you know deserved communities and gave free shows free concerts and talked about the the awareness of um, the schools, to prison pipeline. Um, so landing that definitely opened my eyes more to what I already knew was in the back of my head. You know, growing up in Oakland, um, my family, all were in the nonprofit space. So that's always been right there. But getting into it actually made me realize like, OK, this is
0: exactly what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Definitely makes sense. OK, so your agency is behind some of the biggest names and socials justice organizations in the world. Can you name a few and give a little quick synopsis of them?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Well, my baby client who's been here since the beginning is Rock the Vote, which we all know and love. And most of us uh, got registered to vote with Rock the Vote, including myself. So even when I started with them, it was like a full circle moment for me. Um, But Rock the Vote is one of my biggest clients. They are literally one of the creators of online voter registration, and they have been doing it for 30 plus years. Um, we Last year, we helped register over 2 million people for the 2020 election. And again, have been, I've been working with them since about 2018. So we've been registering people nonstop. So that's been a huge accomplishment and a lot of contributions to what we see going on today. Um, another one of my clients is She the People, which is a political organization that focuses on women of color getting elected in office. Last year, we helped facilitate Joe Biden and his team in getting Kamala in office. So again, my first year open was like, (laughs) let's go for everything. (laughs) Let's do it all. Um, But they they are amazing to work with. They also focus on down ballot women. A lot of the women that we see, hear about on Twitter and a lot of the conversations, but we're pushing for their campaigns, pushing for them to win and celebrating their big wins that they have as well. Um, Another one of my my great clients is also with um, filmmaker Ava DuVernay, which is Leap Action. We help with... Uh, basically putting the police officers that murder Black people um, at the forefront. Often when someone is murdered, you hear about George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, uh, Philando Castillo, but we never hear about the police officers that actually murdered them and aren't held held accountable, even if they are held accountable. Justice is not seen. Um, so what we do is we've commissioned a ton of different artists to tell these stories in different art forms, which has been absolutely amazing to see. I mean, we've had uh, We've had different like dinner menus telling a story. We've had interactive um, paintings that have been showed. So that's been truly amazing and a lot of advocacy and putting a lot of these police officers' names to the forefront because what happens is they murder people, they get off, and then they move on to another county because no one ever remembered who murdered Michael Brown. They don't remember Michael Brown's name.
0: We're taking a pause for the calls. It's your girl, Butterby Rocker, Transparency Talks Podcast, baby. Listen, this is Jordan Danielle with That Life.
1: we also this year kicked off a campaign called csc night which had a lot to do with the um a- Stop aapi hate what i loved about this campaign is that it didn't only just focus on the standard of what aapi community looks like it was very diverse it was black and brown solidarity it was about people um up and down the api spectrum and we hosted a special on mtv that covered all of these people her was involved uh Saweetie was involved and We held kind of a a national rally against um, stopping AAPI hate and let people know about the history that Black and Asian solidarity has that's been throughout decades of history that is often forgotten. Um, And so we're still running that campaign and have a lot of things. We just did a a really big show with uh, Sesame Street with them debuting their first AAPI uh, kind of Muppet, I guess. (laughs) I was going to say cartoon, but their first Muppet. So we, again, we've had a, a hell of a year and those are some of our biggest clients, but we also work with. A lot of the smaller grassroots organizations that are putting a lot of the bills forward in california specifically since that's where we're mainly located at
0: okay so i'm gonna dive into some of the things that you just talked about a little bit more so your agency helped register over 2 million millenniums that's first of all that's major how vital do you think social media is to the current political landscape it's everything. I mean, you
1: know, you see something that may start out as a joke on Twitter, and it's like, oh, then it gets a little traction. Then you see a petition, and somehow Joe Biden is talking about it now. Um, social media is the strength of everything that we do in the day and age. I mean, for the you know previous four years, we were essentially getting dictated through our former president um, via Twitter. So the. The impact that social media has on day to day lives and the pressure that even with police accountability that we put on people via social media, um, it means everything to me and it means everything to our work because I don't know where we would be or where a lot of like the Me Too movements would be if women and different individuals could speak up for themselves, which is why things are coming out 20, 30 years later because people didn't have that type of platform back then. So I think social media for social justice in general, um, as well as when it comes to the political landscape is key. You know, um, we see AOC who's gained a lot of traction because she's on live at night. And while she's cooking dinner, she's on live talking to people about different um, bills and what's really going on in Congress, which is something we've never seen before. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. What was your experience of running the social media campaign for CS Unite on MTV? That's big.
1: <laughs> I will tell you that they came maybe three weeks before the show and they were like, hey, we have nothing. And I was like, Oh great! It was uh, uh, like two months before my wedding, also. So I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be fun." <laughs> I was like, "When June comes, I'm out. I don't want to. I don't want to hear about it anymore. I'm out." But um, that was truly amazing. And like I said, what I appreciated about it the most was their willingness to um, to have inc- and, you know to include everyone. They weren't just focused on major celebrities. They were focused on people that impacted the AAPI community. And it taught my agency a lot about. Um, that side of everything. We do so much black and brown solidarity, but often Asian people are left out the conversation when it comes to the brown term. So uh, that was impactful for us to really start digging deep into that, especially with the rise in crime um, against the API community, starting with COVID, started with you know, the mass shooting that happened in Georgia. There's been a lot going on that I think we've shunned from because there's so much going on in the black community um, that it was great to kind of see that side of it and get intertwined in a lot of the things that they were doing too.
0: Mm -hmm. So what is digital activism and why is it so important today?
1: Digital activism, it can look many different ways. I often tell people that it's a lot to take in. You know, none of this work, it it helps me sleep well at night, but it also keeps me up. Um, You know, having to keep updated on all of the outrageous things that are happening in the world that you have to quickly respond to. Um, You know, there's often when there's a trial happening or breaking news. I know when George Floyd, um, Derek Chauvin was indicted for George Floyd's murder even though it was a win for us, I broke down crying. And I was like, everyone take the rest of the day off. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot, but it's needed because that accountability of having those videos and having those uh, those people's faces plastered all over social media is impactful in many ways. It, it often leads to indictments, it leads to trials, and it leads to a lot of things. Um, I tell people to be as involved as they would like to be. I often tell people, you know, create a fake, not a fake email, but create an email, sign for sign up for petitions, sign your name anywhere you can. Let the email you know the spam whatever the junk roll in but you're just as much as i advocate for voting um petitions and paying attention to things like that are also just as important and all of that comes from digital activism um there's not a lot we can do with without it you know especially in the in the age of a pandemic it's like where can i even go you know we used to be tabling at events or see each other out at concerts, which is you know a huge establishment of what Rock the Vote used to do. Mm-hmm. And that element has been completely gone in the biggest election of our lives. Mm-hmm. So um, having to navigate that, I think in 2020, you know, I've been doing it, like I said, for, for over eight years now. And people are just like, what do you mean you do social media? And what do you mean it's for political advocacy? And I think 2020, people were really like, oh, this is what you do and this is why you do it. It was a big change and a big pivot where people really understood and could finally see the other side of social media mm-hmm. um, because before people were just like oh it's influencers and i can be this and i can be a youtube star and i was always here like yeah and you could help push forward a, a campaign and help get a, a bill signed and they were like can i <laughs> so now people really understand that and they can follow through with it and and feel that they you know a lot of celebrities are now like oh i need to do something with my page i need to do more than just post about my movies coming out. I need to stand up for my own race, other races that, I are, that I'm aligned with and things that align with myself, too. Mm-hmm. So digital activism is everything. And like I said, I think one of my, my prideful moments of 2020 was like people realizing that social media shouldn't be the first to go because it's everything you need these days. It's kind of it was the only thing keeping us connected, really.
0: It it really was. I don't think social media has ever gone anywhere, (laughs) ever. So what are your thoughts on social justice for 2021 versus 2020? And do you see any changes, pros and cons?
1: Um, There's always going to be changes. Um, I think the biggest change is definitely people thinking that, okay, in 2020, I did my job. I don't need to pay attention anymore. And they couldn't be more wrong. Um, And even a lot of people that are, you know, that had their views on voting and who we voted in and what was right, what was wrong. I always advocate for voting once is not gonna change the world. (laughs) Um, We've been voting for the lesser evil for decades on and decades before. Um, It would take us the next 30 years of consistently voting, consistently paying attention to really see the change that we wanna see. Um, So my biggest kind of just adjustment is of course seeing the drop from this year of, you know, people even being like, you know, just last year we were fighting for George Floyd and this year we're making fun of da 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 da. And it's like, yeah, and that's that's the realness of social media. It moves fast. One day we're mourning, the next day we're laughing at somebody and then we're mm-hmm. realizing we shouldn't have laughed at them. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with next year, people really aren't aware that that's an election year, but it's the most important election year. You know, it's a, a midterm election that actually impacts your community and what's going on around you. Um, so my biggest pivot that I definitely see is of course, I want to say, like, you know, Kendrick Lamar said it the best of so the overnight activists <laughs> of everybody paying attention and then the drop off. And I, I really want people to be consistent in it and not get, you know, depleted um, by what's going on in the administration. thing. like, well, this is why I don't vote. because This is not what I want. And it's like it's never going to be what you want unless you keep voting.
0: And that's yeah. just the truthfulness of it. We taking another pause for the calls. This is Xavier Lewis
2: with nine nine Georgia Clay. Five, just to keep up, try to stay alive. Promise my lady we gon' be alright She be crying while she praying for a better life Hustlin' on the side for a bag of rice Gotta feed the fam, gotta pay the price Gotta keep trucking through the Georgia clay Gotta stay searching for a better day Gotta keep my faith till make a way Gotta get extended so the gas can pay Sweet Georgia, hold me down Keep my feet planted on solid call to the floor to shine, up to the Maryland D.C. line, back down South Red Peach, prime, sweet Georgia's where I reside. Tell me why do I have to cry? Tell me why should I even pray? Tell me why should I worry about it? Tell me why should I lose my head? Tell me why From mistakes I made, sweet daughter, hold me down. Keep my feet planted on solid ground. singing the truth southern trees best strange roots my roots run deep in his doors acclaim. clay yeah i'm just singing the, truth, singing the truth southern trees best strange
0: So, would you say it's challenging to be a political activist
1: Uh, absolutely (laughs) um some people are always like i don't know how you do it but i'm glad you you know you do do it as well as me being um an agency owner uh, a founder of of an agency that is doing so successful i'm still a speaker to my own community you know Mm -hmm. i make i make these down ballot lists of what people should be voting for i'm like hey Going to the voting booth sometimes is intimidating. You might not know what all of these propositions are. You might not understand what's going on. Here's some t- type of cheat sheet for if you're thinking in a certain you know, mindset, here's why you should vote on these things and here's my help so we can start moving forward and get these people out that shouldn't be out, you know, shouldn't be out here anymore. And you know, no. I get people arguing with me, calling me racist, oh, my work is this. Some people are like, oh, I'm gonna tell your employer. And I'm like, that's fine. I My website's in my email. <laughs> Um, And I get to stand by, you know, what I say and and the things that I do, but it's never easy. You know, um, opinions are always flawed. People have uh, backgrounds that aren't necessarily um, kind of aligning with what you necessarily believe. You know, you went to high school with somebody, you think you, you know, you social media know them. And then they're like, they turn out to be some like crazy person. You're like, great. I'm so happy you turned out this way. (laughs) Um, But, but yeah, it's definitely not easy, but I, think I enjoy it the most because I see how many people aren't involved and I'm not pushing them to be involved. I just want people to be more aware and understand that this is our life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know if I'll ever see the change that I want to see in my lifetime, but I do hope that my grandchildren will be able to see it and all the things that I'm fighting for in today's time.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. So what was your mental and emotional state during COVID and how did it affect you personally and professionally? You know, during COVID,
1: I often just, I I really think I blanked out. (laughs) Um, What was interesting for 2020 was that 2019, I left my old agency job and I was like, I'm just gonna go back freelance. You know, I'm tired of feeling like going into an office and I can do this by myself. And, you know, I knew what I was doing. So I was like, I wanna go back, you know, to my rooftop days where I can just, you know, go to the Ace Hotel, open up my laptop and enjoy myself. And then COVID hit and I was like, (laughs) Okay, <laughs> that's different. Um, and I had like one or two clients that I was doing fine by myself. It was an election year coming up, so I, uh, like Rock the Vote was one of my clients, Alliance for Boys and Men of Color, and then I picked up She the People just on some like okay, I'm gonna hire an assistant, we'll get this done. And then COVID happened, and it was like these smaller clients that I had, which are change agents for the community, needed double the work. And they're like, okay, we're gonna bump up your your rate, you know, your per diem, and we need this amount of posts, we need this type of strategy, and I'm like okay, like, let me figure out what I was gonna do. So then I had an assistant, a little bit extra help. And then we were like getting the wave of it. And then I think by like May, we were like, okay, we got this. And then George Floyd was was murdered. And I was like, we do not have this. Like we, I need to hire more people. I need to figure this out. I wasn't necessarily against opening an agency, but it never popped up in my mind. I never saw myself as a business owner, but it came to a time in 2020 when I was like, I can either create a space for women that I've always wanted or I can keep running and and hiding from it. And especially in this very, very important moment where people are dying by the day and we're still being murdered by the police, you know, being out during the day. And I had a decision to make, you know, um, so my mental really in 2020 was so in hustler mode. I, I don't even know what I would have done if 2020 wasn't that way because the election was so heavy. Um, the impact of COVID was so heavy. I was really running running wild, should, to be completely honest. And it was me and my then fiance, like in our one bedroom apartment, we're both working, both doing stuff and I'm just like cooped up in my apartment, having all these situations happen. I ended up producing our first like digital show with Rock the Vote, putting that together. I was doing so many first in 2020 and then it was going on like, okay, and I have to be like fully masked and clothed when I go to the grocery store. Um, it was a lot, it yeah. was a lot. After the election, it was my 30th birthday and me and my fiance went to Tulum Well, my husband now went to Tulum and I was like, I'm not answering everyone. And everyone was like, please don't answer me. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not emailing you. They're like, please take some time. I was like, I'm going to be safe. I'm not going to go out. I just need to be away from my home. But, um, the impact of 2020 was very real. I don't, I mean, of course we're never going to forget it, but all that I accomplished in 2020 is sometimes mind-boggling being that the year that it was, it's sometimes bittersweet. I often held in what I was doing in 2020 because it didn't, I didn't want to seem like I was bragging. And it's like, people are devastated right now, you know, and you're like, well, I did this and I did that too, and it's, it, was a, it was a gamble. But I think, I don't want to say after we got out of it, but after, you know, um, everything that we did in 2020 turned out to be what we actually won for, I took a deep breath and I was like, or I exhaled really, and it was good to just get it out and really focus on the positivity that did come out of the year too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, just like you were saying, I, I definitely felt that 2020 made people have to really focus. And it it made people figure out what they really needed to do. And a lot of people really did succeed and, and had to learn how to pivot and learn new things, new trades and challenge themselves to do more things. So, I mean, of course it was bad, but it, it did pull out some good as well. Absolutely.
1: It's like, if I'm still here, like I'm like one out of, you know, a a certain amount that didn't make it. So I need to do something and make make my time worth it because a lot of people still dying, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So when did you know that you wanted to be an activist? What was that moment like for you?
1: That is an amazing, amazing question. I truly think um, there's always one police brutality murder that hit me deep it was when it was in 2008 2009 technically um when Oscar Grant was murdered in Oakland in my hometown it was my first year my freshman year of college and I had just moved away and it that murder just it hit me in my core just so so differently because Oscar Grant was just one of us he was just a regular kid from the Bay Area you know on the BART with, with his friends, enjoying a, a New Year's Eve night. And uh, that really, I think I've always, of course, like I said, being a Black woman from Oakland, always had these type of values rooted in me. But Oscar Grant's mm-hmm. murder really impacted me the most. And it made me feel like, you know, we can't just keep looking at these situations and being like, damn, that sucks. I can't believe that happened and moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, because it just gonna continue to happen as it has. And I think when, when that happened, I paid attention a lot to it and really, it triggered my mind to see and now realize that this is happening all the time. I don't think I was alive during Rodney King. I know about it a lot, Emmett Till. All of these names and all of these these things they like to label as Black history, which is really our Black trauma, all started sparking in my mind of like, this is just decades of things happening to us and nothing ever being done about it. Um, Oscar Grant made me realize that something needed to be done about it um, through and through, and still we're over 10 years later and we're not anywhere better, which is unfortunate, but I do think that what I'm doing is trying to get away from where we have been, and accountability is trying to be held. But of course, before accountability, I just wish shit wouldn't happen.
3: do it myself don't need nobody else but the mothers and brothers and soldiers and nannies yell. i'm hoping that i would fail they afraid of the power that you they know i'ma tell no no back down ain't easy want to take more than that to seize me i stay in the woman's place from behind a rope in your face. I'll shake a little sun. Uh-oh. In other words, I'll drop a verse. I'm um, rehearsed. Y'all drop a little money. Now, I think if I remain humble, drop this album, keep the same number. Relocate from the north to the south. Tell them about me by the word of the mouth. I'll be alright I got that ticket. But in real life, gotta get them biscuits. This is America. Sell me no dream. Statue of Liberty, know what that means. I am the queen.
0: There are several ways you can tune in to Transparency Talks Podcasts, including Pandora, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Blaze One Radio in Atlanta, Squeaky Radio in Detroit, Glass FM in Nigeria, Soul City to Beat in Italy, London's Energy Radio in London, Rock Dan Radio in Canada, Soul Fusion Radio in South Africa, and Q-Mix Radio in Japan. You can listen in to any of the stations by going to butterbeerocka.com. That's B-U-T-T-A-B-R-O-C-K-A.com. Follow me on all social medias at Transparency Talks Podcast, also at Butterbeerocka. And subscribe today to my YouTube channel at Transparency Talks Podcast. What cultural differences do you see when you travel globally?
1: That is an amazing question. Um, I actually did a study abroad program in Italy uh, years ago. And I think that was the biggest, like, oh, people think that Americans are stupid. That's great to find out when you're living somewhere for, you know, five months. Um, The biggest cultural difference is, I think, the respect that the government or the prime ministers, whatever, have on the people that live there. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many, like... You know, you get on the train and it's like, pay for your ticket. Like they have ticket conductors, but like they trust you to buy your ticket and just get where you need to go because it's affordable, it's accessible and everybody can do it. Um, the cultural differences of, you know, there's racism everywhere. I, off, I often say that people are like, oh, I want to leave America. I'm like, are leaving America because of the racism, and there's not school shootings every day and as much police brutality, but it's, there's no escapism from you being the, the color that you are. Um, And you have to go wherever you are and make your, you know, be comfortable in your own skin. But what I do see is I don't necessarily know if it's a luxury, but other countries just also haven't seen many black people, especially American black people. And so that cultural difference of going elsewhere and then being able to speak English and connect with us and talk to us and share their, you know, oh, my God, you're so beautiful. You're so this. And then the privilege that Americans, you know, tend to have that I've traveled with other people and going to other countries and not understanding why, you know, you know, when you come, when people come to America, we don't speak many languages at all. Right. We go to another country and they're like, I know eight languages. And you're like, I can barely speak Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So cultural differences in that and the respect that they have for trying to get to know everyone that's coming into their space. Um, and definitely even still just, like I said, the respect that the, the government or the establishment has over them. Of course, I've, I've been to some countries that were, you know, like Iceland or Denmark, that are, Sweden, that are like number one and everything. And I, I talk to my friends that are out there because I, I have really close friends in Sweden. So I get to do a lot of the, oh, well, when I went to high school, you know, they go to middle school, they get taught everything. They go to high school and they, they learn a trade. Hmm. And they're talking about, they're like, oh, and I went to high school to be an electrician and then I got out and they paid me to go to college. And you're like, that sounds productive. Yeah. <laughs> like that sounds actually pretty great. But then you go to places like Thailand where you land and you're in poverty and you see that they have no resources and you're driving to your resort that's on the other side where all these people are working. And it's like, well, that's not right either. You know, and the American dollar is, is so much out there that we're out there living like Jay Z and Beyonce but right. for them, it's like, it's still not enough. Yeah. Um, so there's so many different cultural differences that I can think of in every single country that I've been to. Um, but like I said, it's it's a blessing to be able to at least see that because I realize that a lot of people aren't aware of what's really going on in these other countries either.
0: Yeah, I began touring overseas in 2007 and I was completely shocked at how much of the difference and how much we take for granted a lot of things too.
1: <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Okay, so back on track. You are a black woman that employs other women of color. Why do you feel it's so important to do that? Women
1: of color are impacted the most by issues in America, um, whether it's police brutality, whether it's our rights, abortion rights, uh, healthcare rights, um, even, you know, what's going on with Build build Back Better with maternal health. Um, women of color really make everything move forward. We are the change makers, and I think our voices should be heard the most. Often in social justice, what I learned uh, working in it these past years, it is so heavily ran by white men. And when I got into it, I was like, well, why does that make sense? Why are white men speaking for the rights of Black and brown people when they don't understand it? They don't know what it means. Um, It never made any sense to me. And so I also took a lot of my experiences from past agencies or past people that I've worked with where I always felt like I was getting mansplained every single day, or I was working for some man that owned the agency or owned the idea and they were taking all of my ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, It was truly something I absolutely hated. And I really wanted to create a safe space for women. And then I also meant away from white women because the white women, and <laughs> I was like, I just want to create this own bubble for us to freely be able to talk about what we want to um, advocate for things that matter to us, and just really open a space that that truly understood what it's like to be a woman every day. You know, you wake up sometimes and you're like, my period started, and I don't feel good. And people are open to say that, and they're just like, this is the best place I've ever worked because you know a lot of jobs don't understand when things come up. Like life happens. You know, you wake up in the morning and you're just like, "Not today." Or you know, something's happening going on at your home, and you're trying to juggle both because your boss is like, "Well, you need to get this done today." Um, creating an environment that I've always wanted to work in has been kind of the the most important thing that I've wanted to see, and I've done exactly that. Where none of my employees have left, have quit. The only employee that I've had that left went to law school, and she was devastated. <laughs> She's like. Should I go? I was like, you need to go to law school. (laughs) You can't work here forever. So go to law school, you know, uh, further yourself. But that's what I want to do. I I don't want people to feel like they need to work here for 10, 20 years. You know, I want this to be a place where they come, learn their skills, perfect them, and they move on to something better and know that I helped, you know, help them facilitate that and know what it's like to be treated correctly when you're working. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. So tell us what makes GSWT different
1: um i you know even exactly what i just said uh with the care that i put on my employees Mm -hmm. um the type of work that we do i think the work is fulfilling back to my employees a lot of the time and i like to also call them my team but they they see their work being being moved and being in front of these celebrities you know faces and a lot of their work moving and going across social media which brings joy to them but then they can also take time off Mm -hmm. i always tell people like you need to take at least a week consistent week off a year like even if you're sitting at home you go on a two-week trip take the two weeks off because that's what working is about um what separates us is definitely the the longevity of our work because it's always going to be here and i think it gives great job security Mm -hmm. um as well as just the just the lightheartedness of it you know it's a heavy-hearted position but working here it's like we call our main chat that we talk in like our girl chat because that's what it is, it's one big girl group chat. We're like laughing at things that are trending on Twitter. And it's also fun in that way because we're in social media, so it's not like you're getting in trouble for looking at something on Twitter and like some funny video. We're on TikTok, we're doing all that stuff. Um, So that's what separates us. And you know, we do real, 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 real work and it's impactful. And like I said, it brings something back to us, but it's also something that takes care of us mentally um, and physically, you know, I go to sleep at night knowing like, you know, when we after we found out we registered two million people and I'm like, yes, <laughs> like that's I stayed up all 2020. But like that means the most to me. And I can, you know, in 10 years when I if I move on to something else that I know that I made such an impact during these very impactful years that are going to go down in history. And you know, I one day can show my kids like, here's what your mom helped do, you know, during these very crucial times that you're going to learn about later on in life. Um, and that's what separates us. I, I feel great that all of these women get to be a part of all of this history that we've made in the last year. And I'm just really excited to know what we can accomplish in the next five.
0: This your girl Butterby Rocker Transparency Talks podcast, baby. Listen, this is one of my singles. Make sure you check out the music video. This is Strange Love featuring Homer Mac. You tell the listeners about the impactful hashtags that you built, such as "Schools Not Prison," "Rise Up As One," "People Power," "Athletes for Impact."
1: I can go on with hashtags. I'm like a hashtag generator, <laughs> <laughs> um, including even "Rock the Vote." Um, you know, that's been a hashtag for thirty years, but it didn't come back to life till 2018. And even the <clears throat> the ED of Rock the Vote can tell you herself, like, yeah, I don't know what we were doing before we found Tasia. Um, you know, I got the page, and it was like. They had like maybe like five thousand followers really that were even active they weren't verified it still looked like 90s rock band and i was right. just like why are we still here if we're focusing now on on um voters of color they don't care about this transforming that page into what it is now i mean it has over 160,000 followers mm-hmm. which happened in under two years mm-hmm. um so building stuff like that schools not prisons which is my baby hashtag that page now has moved into um, all-year-round type of advocacy, which before it was just for the tour. We we're going into prisons, going into communities, and they're just like, oh, we just need somebody, somewhere to put it on. And then I turned it into the, the biggest page that it is now for the Schools of Prison Pipeline. They have a podcast going, they're still going into prisons, doing live shows, stuff like that. Um, so a lot of the hashtag, even Athletes for Impact, you know, that was, I like to say, sparked and moved the idea a lot for even what LeBron is doing with more than an athlete. Um, Athletes for Impact, we worked with Layla Ali, with Maya Moore, we helped her with everything she did for getting um, Jonathan Irons out of of jail. So um, hashtags like that are even the baseline, I think, that are a lot of the grassroots work that Mm -hmm. a lot gets scaled up in later in life and and people start to realize like, yeah, we are impactful too, we do these things too. Um, So a, a lot of the hashtags that I've built have definitely been lifelong ones and I'm grateful for it that they're still standing strong. And not a lot of the base material that I gave them are still like thriving through. That's really
0: good. So you've been featured in major press features such as CNN, USA Today, Entertainment Weekly, and others. What one publication do you want to be featured in that you haven't been featured in yet?
1: Hmm. You got to see Forbes. You Forbes, because <laughs> and that means I'm making some money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Forbes would probably be the biggest one. I, of course, would love a Black publication, like a, I would say like an essence and not just a feature. I would really love like a full like story in a magazine. I got featured in In InStyle, which was a like a a full page Mm -hmm. um, moment to our agency, which was amazing. But to get in a Black publication, I think would be absolutely joyous to me and really to my viewers and to people that are wanting to do the same thing. But I I would say between like Essence and definitely Forbes, because I want to make your money.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what figure person gave you the motivation to do the things that you are doing now?
1: My grandmother, definitely. Um, My grandmother moved to California, well the Bay Area from Tennessee back in like 19, I want to say like 95 maybe, Not, not 1995, 1985 um and she was she came out here to be the vp of the urban league and open up the bay area Mm
4: -hmm.
1: chapter of the urban league um she came out here again doing the nonprofit activism work before i even i even came about um and she's been doing that for years she went back and forth between urban league and united way building her name becoming the president becoming all of these amazing things that she has under her belt which is kind of why i moved away from the bay area because everyone's like aren't you carol watson's granddaughter and i'm like I am, but I need to, I need to go. <laughs> um, so moving to L.A. was me kind of building on that same foundation, just in my own space and not feeling like I'm getting any handouts, which actually sucks that I did that because it's like, we should be getting handouts. <laughs> White people get handouts all the time. Using those resources that I had through my grandmother um, would have been amazing, but I still actually am doing that because most of my clients now are like, I worked with your grandmother back in da, da, da. And I'm like, oh, well, great.
0: <laughs> of course yeah. you know my grandma. <laughs> Okay, so you help you enjoy hip-hop and traveling, as you had already spoke about. What do you think about hip-hop today, and do you feel that it has more messages on mainstream that could change Black and brown communities if they, you know, came together?
1: Absolutely. Um, hip-hop music is, you know, it, it is the mainstream. It's the biggest genre of music um, out right now. And, you know, I think the... The other side of rap that we all hate, I think it's needed because as much people as, you know, they don't like to admit it. What we've also seen in these verses battles is like, ooh, we used to listen to this. Um, <laughs> and as much as we try and talk about what's going on in today's time, it's like we had our few, you know, like those back then. Um, but I, I do wish more like conscious rap or even at least um rappers, musicians in general, pushing forward narrative that's actually I don't wanna say impactful or true, but just for a greater cause. Um, I think that there are a lot of conscious rappers, but they're also against voting. They're also against about, you know, talking about vaccines and things like that. But I think, you know, people were laughing at like that juvenile, backs that thing up. And I was like, that's <laughs> I'm like, like, you have to connect with people where they are essentially. Um, I would love if we could get more presence in the people that are talking about impactful things. Like Rhapsody also gets left out of the female rap conversation all the time. And it's like, she's one of the greatest lyricists we have right now. But mm-hmm. people aren't thinking about that because she's not doing the things the other girls are doing. Um, but I always think that there's a way to advance our hip hop music. Um, and even with, I love where like the direction Beyonce has gone in. I, I'm i a Beyonce fan anyway, though. But just the emphasis that she puts on a lot of her music and people are like, oh, it's it's getting too black, it's getting too da-da-da, and it's like, as it should, you know? Like, she's made her stake in the pop music lane, and she's she's doing stuff that actually impacts people and, and motivates people. You know, me getting married on Juneteenth, we basically played Jay-Z, Beyoncé, and all of that stuff the whole day. We had all this, you know, real black music, and I was like, yeah, we're gonna, you know, be freedom, we're gonna do all of that <laughs> today um, in a new age way. Um, But I I would love to see, of course, a a different change in the hip hop community. But I think it's there. I just think people need to pay attention to it. But it's very hard to pay attention. Just
0: so much music out there. (laughs) There's a lot of music out there. But I can also say, you know, being being in the entertainment world and touring and singing all over the world it sometimes is hard because you don't, you know, I, I I personally try not to put my political views out there or any of these things, because that affects how you get paid sometimes, you know what yep. I mean? And it's so true. sometimes it's hard for artists, you know, you don't, you want to stay away from all of this extra stuff, you know?
1: <laughs> no, that is a very, very good point. And it is the gamble because then sometimes it's like, Cardi B was stepping up, people are like, shut up, I don't want to hear that. But it's like, but no, You can't do that. You know, like you want somebody to connect with people that are are interested in it or do you want people to stray away from it? Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of uh, pushback of when Kim Kardashian was getting people released from jail and I'm like, can you really be upset about that? Like she's doing the work, she's connecting with the organizations and she's getting people freed. Are you gonna be mad because she had a sex date? I mean she's doing she's doing more than a lot of other people are like i don't know what you like which one do you want you know do you want people free or do you want people to stay in um but i completely agree with you because then people get ridiculed for it you know for their opinions and something that used to be very private is now very public and you have to say something um i think it's hard though we're living in a different time where it's like you know, LeBron James is expected to speak up about things and talk about things when, it, when he's asked about basketball. But Michael Jordan wasn't held to that standard because he's completely stayed away from politics. But if LeBron was to stay away from politics now, he'd get ridiculed, you know? Um, it's an unfair gamble, I think. And people, I do think, have the right to their opinions. I think with the last administration that we had, it made it really difficult for people to not have, like to respect not having an opinion because it was it was doing so much to our community. Um, but I agree, I think there's a, a, a really fine line between it, and I don't disagree or agree with anybody that it's like you should be doing more, you should be doing da, da, da. But what I do believe is speaking up for police brutality and wrongful deaths. Um, that is one thing that I'm just like, you could be whatever you want to be and vote for you ever want to be, but like mm-hmm. police officers killing unarmed black people, you go against that, then we don't have anything to talk about. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I understand that. I definitely understand that. So I want to know how can people be a part of your circle? Tell people where to, how you can be reached and everything like that.
1: Yeah, um, I, you can follow me on Instagram. Like I said, I am my own activist and my own community. So my Instagram is at Tejatej, T-E-J-A. Wait, T-E-J, T-E-J-A-A. <laughs> <laughs> Tejatej, T-E-J-A-T-E-J. I always have that problem. Um, That's Instagram and Twitter. Um, And even um, right here, getsocialwithtasia.com. You also go there and be able to see all of our personal pages, all of our uh, client pages as well. Not client pages, our um, agency pages as well. So we do have our agency pages where we're updating on our client work and what we're doing. And then I have my personal page. If you want to see me, you know, talking about verses and then talk about Kamala and then talk about all these different random things, I'm like a full spectrum of everything that's going on (laughs) on Twitter. So yeah, Teja Tej, um on Instagram and
5: Twitter.
0: Okay. Well, I would like to thank you so much for being a part of Transparency Talks podcast. I definitely learned a whole lot about your company and about yourself. So thank you so much for being a part. And with that, everyone, we are out of here.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate you so much. Nice talking to you.
0: I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in to Transparency Talks podcast. This is Sandrine all the way from Belgium. The song is called Runaway. This is one of the songs that I wrote. Hope you enjoy.
4: i, I to
5: run away. I think about